All right, welcome back. It's Wednesday night now. I just recorded this episode. I edited it. I watched some basketball. I watched my Knicks lose. They don't have a point guard. Emmanuel quickly makes the team look so good. I don't know how great he is, but the team looks great when he's on the floor. Another guy who's great is RJ Barrett. Um, I'm really excited. Jason Tatum, my dark horse in this podcast for MVP, nailed a big jumper to win the game. He looks legit. Lots of fun stuff in this episode. It's a little bit all over the place. So I had a message from my uncle, a brief conversation with my father. We talked hoops, and then I threw in the little jets at the beginning. And DJ LeMahieu, what's up? So all that is coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is your one-stop shop for all your sports fan gear. I get my jerseys, caps, everything there. I buy a ton of that stuff because I wear it all the time. And people like make fun of me, including my wife. That's so weird. Why are you wearing that jersey today? It's cool. Anyway, if you want to be cool and wear jerseys all day, go to Fanatics. It's the best place to buy that stuff. It's the official gear of the NFL, NHL, all the players, all the teams, all the leagues. It's the best place. I'm telling you. Best stuff. Now, if you want 25% off your order, here's what you got to do. You go to podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo.co slash fanatics. Get 25% off your first order just for listening to my show. How great is that? Go there today. You won't be disappointed. This episode was basically done. And then I realized DJ LeMay was not a Yankee yet. It's Christmas. And he's not a Yankee yet. Not only that. The Blue Jays, the Mets, all being reported that they're in on him. And he's listening, listening hard. Not only the Yankees have not signed DJ LeMayo, they haven't done anything. They brought back Adam Warren, Nestor Cortez. I guess those are guys who eat up innings when they have like a five-run lead or they're down five, which has been a problem in the past. But it feels like the Yankees aren't even starting their offseason until DJ is signed or not. And I said that in the past, and I said that them saying he's top priority makes me feel pretty confident. But at the same time, right now, I don't feel confident about anything. Why should we? Now, I know we don't know when the season's starting. It could start in May. So maybe there's more time than we think. And that's, I guess, comforting. But what's not comforting is that he's not signed yet. As long as he's not signed, there's nothing that's really comforting. So the Yankees need to sign him and they need to get their offseason going. They can't go into the season with this starting pitching, with this bullpen. I have an interesting question also about Glaber Torres because everyone seems to give Glaber a break. Like everyone was on Gary Sanchez. He went down to the Dominican. He's working on his craft. Same goes for Andujar. Glaber was called out by the GM for being out of shape and wasn't good at shortstop. Why is he not down there working? Why is he not down there staying in shape and playing shortstop and maybe getting better at that position? That's kind of weird to me. So there's some question marks for the Yankee offseason, and they've done absolutely nothing to answer them other than saying, DJ's priority, we will have the highest payroll. Now, it doesn't look like free agents are really flying off the shelves at this point. But at what point do you wonder teams are just going to start making moves and the Yankees are going to get left behind? So something's got to start happening soon. All right, that's all I got on the Yankees. Now to the rest of the podcast. Sorry for this brief baseball interruption. 
Before we get into the NBA, I want to talk about my Jets. So we're a little bit removed, which is helpful for some reasons. You know, we're not sitting there that terrible. I keep saying loss. It was a terrible win hanging over our heads. It's kind of funny to say it that way. But there's a couple of things I want to talk about. And it's going to lead into some NBA points for later. So this is important. I asked on Twitter today, would Jet fans rather they lose out the last two games of the season or they win both games? And that's if Jacksonville also loses out. So the Jets are either getting the Jets are automatically getting the second pick. That's what we're that's the scenario we're painting. Would you rather them lose the last two games of the season or win? And people said lose. And I don't understand it. You're trying to build a winning culture. You see, the first overall pick is great, and sometimes there are can't-miss picks, but even can't-miss picks sometimes miss. So here's the thing. And I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust. I think he's going to be amazing, although Jacksonville is not a super great quarterback destination for all you who making fun of the Jets. And maybe I'm just convincing myself that because I'm a Jet fan and I'm sour, salty, whatever the word you want to use. I don't know what the cool term is now. I'm 23. I'm acting like I'm 40. I don't know what the hip term is. <laughs> but I think winning is more important. You look at a guy like Mikai Becton. He played his butt off this year. A guy like Marcus May. Guys like Quinnen Williams, one of my favorite players. Bless you. Thank you. Um, those guys all play their butts off all year. They deserve a win. Sam Darnold has done and said all the right things. He's six months younger than Joe Burrow. I'm not saying they should for sure keep him around, but there are a few options here. Get a great offensive lineman. Trade the pick, pick up a quarterback, have a competition in camp. But more important than any of that stuff, one draft pick, one player, one free agency, none of that wins you a championship in football. You got to build it from the top down, a culture. Look at the Patriots. Look at the Ravens. Those teams have a culture. Lamar Jackson was not the best quarterback in that draft. And he definitely wasn't considered to be at the time of the draft. Josh Allen was definitely not considered to be. But those teams built built a winning culture. They put in the right pieces. The right pieces in charge. So whether that's JD, whoever it is in the Jets organization, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I want them to win out now. That's it. We're not getting Lawrence. And I knew we weren't getting Lawrence before that. I could say that, whether it's true or not. Now you want these guys to get a taste of winning. Mackay Beckton said after the game, if you wanted us to lose, you're not a real fan. Now he's wrong because we've all been fans long before he ever showed up and we'll be fans for long after he's gone. This is just a brief 10 to 15 year window where he's part of it. So he doesn't understand what it is to be a Jets fan. But where he's right is his attitude. His attitude is he wants to win. He's trying so hard to win. He plays his butt off every game. He's been one of the best players on this team. He should have been in the Pro Bowl. And he deserves to win. For him, these guys are young kids who come out of college and they're the best at what they do. All they know is winning. And they come into the NFL and they start losing. I'm so happy that he didn't become content with losing. That he said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We shouldn't have won. Not that he would ever say that, but the point is he wasn't content with losing. He wanted to win, and he wants the fans to know we're building a winning culture. 
This isn't a franchise that loses games on purpose, no matter what the prize at the end of the tunnel is. This is a franchise that wins. And that's the kind of attitude we need around here. We need more of those guys. So whether it's a Trevor Lawrence, who's a generational talent, or it's an offensive lineman or a Justin Fields, I don't care. It's a guy who wants to win. A guy who wants to prove this is the place to do it. Not a guy like Jamal Adams who wants to run to a winning culture. It's a guy who wants to be the winning culture. Create it. Build it from the bottom up. And you know where it starts? At the top. With Joe Douglas. With the ownership. And I don't trust this ownership at all. And I don't think the Jets will get it right. But those guys running around like they won the Super Bowl just because they won. As pathetic as it is. It makes me think that maybe there are some guys in that locker room who deserve to be there and deserve to be a part of the future. And maybe we can turn it around. All right. I need to calm down. Enough Jets. Let's get into the NBA. All right. It's Wednesday evening. The NBA season started last night. The Knicks tip off in about an hour. I'm pumped. A lot of different directions to go with this podcast. I don't know where I'm going to go with it, honestly. I have a lot on my mind. I'm kind of doing a little bit more of a freestyle. I'm going to do a little bit something interesting. I'm going to throw some clips that I've heard. Uh, I've asked some people to send me their takes on the NBA, and I'm going to throw that in there. I did a little piece with my father. Um, My uncle sent me his take on the NBA, which I find to be amusing. So I'm going to throw that all in there. Maybe we'll have him on at some point. He is definitely a big sports influence in my life so shout out jason and i can't wait to get his take on here Uh, a couple other things james harden is being extremely difficult i think everyone can say that at this point but he might get his way now this may set up the blueprint if he gets his way and he gets out of houston because at this point houston needs to get rid of him he's been so impossible to deal with he's getting players sick the game tonight was canceled because of him houston just might be like okay we got to get him you know the heck out of here You need to get a good return. Maybe they might not get the best trade because now they need to trade him. I think they should just suspend him without pay and say, hey, when you're ready to play ball, come back. And until then, don't trade him. If you give in to him now, he wins. And the next next disgruntled player, because there will be one, it's only a matter of time, will just copy the same thing. And it ruins the league. It's totally selfish. It's it's just a terrible way to be. And the league office needs to step in at this point. It's gone too far. And this is a player who I love and is so talented. But it's gone too far. So again, this episode is going to be pieced together, like I said. I talked about on Monday or Tuesday about the Jets, how I feel the next day. I was still upset about the loss, obviously. But now everyone's talking about all different things. What Mekhi Becton said what the next steps could be for the Jets. I think take an offensive lineman. Sure up this offensive line. Remember, Sam Darnold is six months younger than Joe Burrow. He could still figure it out. If he's not the guy, don't reach for the guy who may not be the guy anyway in this year's draft. Build the roster. They have five picks in the first, I think, 90 picks in the draft this year. The Jets have five of them. Build. That's a lot of pieces. So there's a lot to happen in that draft. Uh, Craig Carton said that the fans should get to decide how Adam Gase 
is going to be fired. I think everyone remembers that clip from when the Jets kept Rex Ryan and Woody Johnson is in the locker room announcing, we will be keeping Rex Ryan as our coach next year and the players attack him. He gets mobbed by all the players. Everyone's going nuts. Mayhem breaks out and Rex is jumping up and down with him. They gave him a Gatorade bath. I say they should do the same thing. Christopher, Woody, whoever you want, comes into the locker room after week 17 and goes, guys, important announcement. Adam Gase will not be returning as the head coach next year. And everyone just attacks him, goes nuts. I think that's awesome. Um, I do want to talk about a couple things about the NBA before I get to my uncle, before I get to my father. Um, And like I said, it's just going to be a patch it together episode. Should be fun, though. My preview for the NBA is like this. Can anyone beat the Lakers? I know the Clippers beat them in one game last night, but every time I turned that game on, it looked like LeBron was dominating. And then I looked after the game. He had like, he played like 25 minutes. So I think at some point they're just going to turn it on and decide to win it. This relates a little bit to what my father's going to say. Steph Curry has nothing to prove anymore. I kind of thought he was a dark horse for NBA MVP this season, but I don't think that anymore because I just don't think he cares to win. I, I, I think he could put up crazy numbers. But I'm not going to make a decision based off one game. I still think he's a dark horse, but he's disinterested. He's going to stay in Golden State forever, and that's going to be that. He got everything he needs out of the league. He's one of the greatest players of all time. The greatest shooter of all time. Definitely one of the most transcendent NBA players of all time. So I think he's accomplished what he's wanted to. Not everyone has that fire drive like a Michael Jordan to just be the greatest and win every year. And of course, LeBron has that drive as well. In a, it manifests manifests itself in a different way. So, can anyone beat the Lakers? Is the first question. I know you guys have all heard it's a weird year, twenty twenty. It's not normal, right? Isn't? Have you heard that before? Um. That being said, maybe the Lakers don't win. You know what I mean? Some dark horse wild card X factor team just comes out and plays great. Who knows? I could see that happening. The Brooklyn Nets looked incredible last night. Brooklyn Nets are the first team in sports history that the national media is giving them their full attention they're constantly talked about among the national amongst the national media and their local media doesn't even care about them doesn't talk about them at all like nobody in new york cares about the nets but the national media is you know that's all they talk about the only way that team can get messed up is if they trade for james harden honestly because that second unit when you got Joe Harris out there with Spencer Didwitty, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, those guys playing against teams' second lineups just absolutely dominate on offense, and they don't need to play defense. So one way that team can get messed up is you try and trade for a superstar and you trade away that whole second unit. I don't think that would be a good trade for either team. Houston, you would want to get more back than just role players who are great role players, but they're role players. And if you're Brooklyn, why break that up? And the other way that Brooklyn could end up just being a disaster is not a matter of if, but a matter of when Kyrie just falls apart and how badly he damages the team on his way down. I know we just recorded and I posted that video of my father explaining his thoughts on Kyrie. And I love Kyrie Irving. I said that in the video as well. I said that in last podcast. But at the end of the day, he takes time off about 50% of the time. And he ends up getting himself and his teammates in trouble. It just happens. And he usually misses the playoffs also. First year in Cleveland. Two of the last three years. 
So who knows? Um, I want to talk Knicks for a second. Mitchell Robinson is starting tonight. I think that's huge. I don't know if Nerlens Noel is hurt or what the story is, but this is the year for the young kids to start. I do agree that Emmanuel quickly, it was, you know, one and a half games, really one and a quarter games that he looked really good. So I wouldn't start him just yet, but Tibbs is really high on him. It's going to be only a matter of time before he is starting. Um, but I do think Alfred Payton, Alfred Payton is the right move to start game one. The goal for the Knicks this year should be do whatever it takes to make sure that R.J. Barrett improves and becomes the player that he can be. We always talk about the Jets and how Sam Darnold regressed. That second hood coach, head coach that they were going to bring in was supposed to be the guy to make Sam Darnold become what he ultimately can be. And that head coach never did that. That was Adam Gase, obviously. Here in New York, they brought in Tibbs. They brought in a guy who his number one priority is to get the most out of R.J. Barrett and guide him and help him become the best possible NBA player he can be. That is extremely important, and that's what this season is all about. If they win a few games on the way and learn how to become a winning team, a winning culture, a lot of what I talked about with the Jets is becoming a winning culture, then that's great. I don't think they should be fighting, especially in the NBA, where losing doesn't guarantee you the first overall pick. We know that if you're a Knicks fan, there's a lottery still. There's 14 teams in there. You got a chance. I say try and win. You never know. So I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they'll win more than 25 games in a 72-game season, but I think that's important. 25 games, great. And in crunch time of those games, I think the ball should be in R.J. Barrett's hands. Uh, That's the most important there. My MVP sleepers are Jason Tatum. I think he's the guy in Boston now. Kemba's out. Who knows what's going to be happening with that team if they're going to be as good, but it's Jason Tatum's turn to turn it on and be incredible. The next one's Nikola Jokic. Now, I can't see him winning it just because storylines win in the NBA, and he just doesn't look like a guy who's the face of an MVP that they could say at the end of the year, here's the MVP, but that's a guy who can average a triple-double with ease, and I think he could win it. Speaking of Nikola Jokic, I did see rumors hard into Denver. So that's heating up a little bit. Maybe Um, I don't remember the source. The next one is Devin Booker. Maybe this is the year he really just everything clicks for him, much like Jason Tatum, but in a different way, he's got Aiton now. He's got Chris Paul. Chris Paul could really help him gel and become the guy that he is going to be and the guy we had hoped we'd see. Um, He's obviously a scoring machine. Maybe he becomes into more of a full rounded, full package type player. Um, and he can win MVP. And the last one, Steph Curry. And I don't want to take it back. I did think that he's a dark horse for MVP because his talent is obviously there. He's one of the greatest players in the league. Um, the only question is whether he cares enough or not. And I think it sucks that in the NBA, if you're not a contender and you've already been there, done that, Steve Kerr was disinterested last year. And the same kind of goes for Steph. And I hope maybe this year they are interested. Uh, But if they're not, then it's going to be another 20-win season for them. So that's what I got on the NBA. I'm going to throw in my uncle's take here. Comment on that. I'm going to hit you with the clip from me and my father that we recorded on Saturday night. Actually, it was Sunday night. Sorry, after we talked about the Jets. Um, Then I got a little bit more on the Jets. I'm going to wrap it up. quick episode 
That's all I got. But first, Anchor. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, now an inspiration of mine, both in sports and otherwise. Jason. So I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, an NBA expert. I think you know that. But I will say, as an almost middle-aged guy, maybe even a middle-aged guy at this point, uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, the current state of <laughs> of the NBA, in my opinion, is absolutely horrific. The, this this trend and you know this need by these quote-unquote NBA superstars to chase a ring drives me absolutely crazy. I cannot stand when when superstars instead of staying with their team and trying to attract you know like complimentary talent to them so that they can they can fight for 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 a title instead they just either you know when they become free agents they they run to other cities and other teams to try to create super teams like lebron's done a couple times now right when he when he uh went to went to that stupid miami heat team the dream team what do they call them i mean of course you're gonna win when you have Three, three superstars and, and two, like, amazing all-stars. Like, what do you think? It's not, it's not impressive to me. And then we did it again with the Lakers, you know, teaming up with the, one of the best big men in, in the NBA. Like, if you're, if you're the guy, then, like, you should stay where you are and try to win a title, fight it out. Like Kevin Durant, and what does he do? He can't, he can't beat Curry, so instead he joins him. And then he joins, I don't know what team he's on now, Kyrie and some other, some other guy on the Nets, right? Like, what, what is that about? So I'm not into that. It's even worse when, when these idiots force trades, right? It's the only thing if you do it in free agency. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't think that's a great thing. But even when you, but when you do it in, when you force a trade from your team, that's even worse. And I can't, I can't stand it. I, I can't, I can't watch the NBA. I can't listen to the NBA. I can't hear about the NBA. I don't care about the NBA. It is like the worst league in the world. Um, like Kawhi Leonard, like, like Kawhi Leonard, like, screw you, you know, you leave, you force a trade from the Spurs and you, and you refuse to play and pet like a little baby and pretend you're injured for a season. Like, I don't respect that. I'm sorry. I just don't. Wow. Fiery. First of all, he got off to a slow start and then he built up the passion. I love that. It's amazing. Um, just a little background. My uncle's a big Red Sox fan, a big Celtics fan. His name's Jason. He was an inspiration, actually, in my life in sports because one of the first years that I remember, actually, was when the Red Sox beat the Yankees in 2004. And he was obviously uh, very into it then. I was a little bit younger, but somewhat vaguely remember it. Um, Here's the thing that someone who has been already kind of had this slant towards the NBA the last few years, as clearly Jason has had, is different than a guy like myself and people in the media today. Not that I'm saying that I'm a guy in the media today, although I'm trying to be. 
it's become accepted. LeBron going to Miami. Um, Kevin Durant. People were a little bit more upset then when he went to Golden State, especially coming off the series where he was up 3-1 against them with OKC. But it's become accepted for superstars and free agency. Hey, it's free agency. You get to do whatever you want. And everyone gets upset when people try to force trades like Kawhi um, forcing his way to Toronto. Although I think he was the man in Toronto. It's different when you're forcing your way to a place that you still have to be the guy. Um, But people are like, hey, LeBron went to L.A. in free agency. He chose to go to L.A. But yeah, he stunk the first year. He was great, but the team stunk. And then the second year, they got Anthony Davis and they won it all. So it's what he's talking about is more of win it yourself. Fight it out. People forget that that used to be a thing. Now it's like, okay, how many superstars do you have? And how did you get there? Did you force a trade? So I like the pureness of Jason. Clearly, he has a lot to say about the topic, even though he claims to hate it. He does obviously have a lot of passion towards it. Um, I imagine because it was a sport that at one time he did really love. So that's that. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. And that's just a preview. We will have a Jason episode. I hope to have him on at some point. So we will definitely get to that. Now, the counter argument to that is a point my father made. Now, he made it when we were recording that brief episode about the Jets on Sunday night. So I didn't want to put that in the Jets episode, but I held on to it. And here it is. And I realized that it's literally the counterpoint to what Jason just said. So this is me and my father from Sunday night. Listen in. I'm just saying it's not easy being a superstar without a championship. These guys are ultra competitive is what I was trying to say about Kyrie wanting to leave Cleveland because they're so ultra competitive. So it's a balance. What I mean by balance is how long you want it to be your own championship because you have this feeling that you are capable of bringing your own championship. I call this from my era of NBA, the Barkley zone, Charles Barkley. I don't know if you appreciate how incredibly uber talented he was outside inside. I saw him in person. It was like, again, it was like watching an alien. He was so incredible. He have he Kyrie Harden. You keep talking about Harden as one of one. These are singular players that have every reason to believe to that. They could bring their ch- team to championship. And it's just a question. It's a balance. How long before they have to give in like Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant, right? It's satisfying to win with LeBron and with Curry, but just not as much as being the alpha dog. So I call that the Barkley zone. And the Barkley zone is defined as the place where you're so incredibly talented that if you can't win, you become dissatisfied if just by not winning a championship and you have to move. So they used to think of that of Chris Paul. So Kyrie and Harden fall squarely. You could still say that, that for right Chris now. Paul. And you, yeah, and Harden and Kyrie definitely fall in that category what's different about Kyrie is now he went back to another situation where there would be an alpha where there would be an alpha uh, in Kevin Durant so we'll see how that plays out but then we appreciate the guys below and above right guys below it I call that the guys who realize like the Joker is a good example like he's incredible by all by all accounts but you don't see him I, I don't know if, if it's a Joker can you imagine the Joker saying I gotta I have to I don't know how he talks I have to leave the Denver Nuggets, like, because I have to go win a championship. He's so incredible, but he's just a hair below that Barkley zone. That Barkley zone is a, a lot of anxiety. And then the ones above it, of course, I call that the nothing to prove, no reason to move. Of course, Curry and LeBron been there already. Curry's never going to leave 
if he leaves, it won't be because he feels he needs to win a championship where he's been there, done that. And similarly, LeBron. So the only thing I want to leave you with is young guys. Who's going to end up in the Barkley zone? This is going to come back. I'm circling it all back to Luca, my son, as follows. I think Giannis and Zion have all the signs. Of They're in the Barkley zone. Incredible talent. They're in the Barkley yeah. zone. You could, guys you could above throw Devin already. Booker in there also. I think Devin Booker might be that talented, but he might be just a hair below. He might be that. guys who realize. He yeah, might be exactly. Joker zone. Yeah. But uh, – because he's but the guy above it, Luca. Like he said, Curry's got nothing to prove. I said that earlier. We saw it last night. But the NBA is going to be fun this year. There's a lot of young guys, and it's going to be cool, like he said, to see who falls into what category. So that's definitely going to play itself out over the course of this year and the next few years. A lot of young talent in the league. We listed that in the last episode. So we'll see that all manifest itself. Curry, the only thing I fear is that maybe he just doesn't care anymore. Um, But there's still so much to watch for in the league. And I think it'll be interesting. Whether the favorites win at the end or not, which they usually do in the NBA, I still think this year, it's a different year. It's a COVID year. My Knicks, maybe they'll just pull some magic out. Just, I don't know. But um, that's all I got. So I'm going to send it off to some Jovi. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of a patchwork episode, but I think it's pretty good. So next episode, I don't know when it's going to be or what it's going to be about, but I'm going to keep doing this, just trying different things. And I hope you guys enjoy. Jovi.
up just a mile to road. Take it in, take it with you when you go. Who says you can't go home? Who says you can't go back? Been all around the world, and as a matter of fact, there's only one place left I wanna go. Who says you can't go home? It's alright, it's alright, it's alright, it's alright, it's alright. Who says you can't? Says you can't.